0: Hey, this is Pastor Chris with Believer City Church. Listen, I want to thank you for taking the opportunity to listen to this message on today. It's my prayer that something said will encourage you to believe in God, believe in yourself, and believe in others. And with that being said, let's jump straight into the message. Amen. We kicked off a new series last week entitled Healing. We dealt with a new series entitled Healing, and the whole objective of this series is for us to understand how do we place our problems under our own control. Amen. Believe it or not, there's a lot of things that we go through, a lot of things that we're struggling with, we're suffering from, that we have the ability to overcome more than we think we do. A lot of times we're sitting around waiting for God to do some things in our lives when the truth of the matter is he's already did it. He's just waiting on you to recognize it. And so because of that, we want to establish how do we obtain the healing that God has for us in multiple areas of our lives. And to do this, we took a look into 2 Chronicles chapter 7. We looked in 2 Chronicles chapter 7, and you can find your way there. And just to catch those up with us who hadn't been here all series long, what we come to find out in 2 Chronicles chapter 7, a little history about behind the text, there's an individual named Solomon. Uh, Solomon is the son of David. David had a desire to build a temple for the Lord. Unfortunately, that was not his calling. Everybody needs to understand something right now. You need to operate in your lane. Somebody say, stay in my lane. In my Sometimes we make the biggest mistakes of our lives by trying to do something that somebody else was called to do. And so David understood that he had to stay in his lane because God told him, listen, David, I appreciate your heart. I appreciate your desire, but I'm going to allow your son to build that temple for me. And so Solomon is the son of, of David Solomon is the son of David, and Solomon has a responsibility to p- to build a temple that God's presence can inhabit it for his people. And so Solomon builds this temple, and Solomon does something unique in Second Chronicles, in Second Chronicles chapter 6. He spends his time praying before the people even walk into the temple, uh, before they hold their first service, before they do their first worship, before they offer their first sacrifice, he says, I want to pray for the people who are going to occupy this place. Why? Because he understood that the people who were potentially going to occupy the place were a group of imperfect people. He understood that they were flawed. He understood that they were going to make mistakes. And we know this by the history of the children of Israel. We've seen their track record over and over. One minute they're with God the next minute they're not one minute they're they're worshiping and they're celebrating and saying Lord we thank you for providing the cloud in the, the day and the fire at night and the next minute they're saying they want to go back to Egypt they would rather be cursed and go back they have been a bunch of ungrateful people who only want to worship God when it's working in their favor ooh if I could just pause there for a minute some of us are like the children of Israel we are willing to celebrate God at the beginning of the new year, but we go 10 days into this new year, and things ain't working the way that we expect things to work, then we might just maybe go back to who we used to be, doing what we used to do. But Solomon says, because I know these people have a tendency to mess up, what I want to do, Lord, is I want to pray for their imperfection. I want to pray that because they are imperfect people, that when they do fall short, that your grace is sufficient says, Lord, when we go wrong, we need you on our behalf. We need you to still protect us. We need you to still provide for us. We need you to still guide us and direct us. Lord, no matter what we do, please don't leave our side. Solomon spent the whole chapter 6 praying. I want to suggest today, church, that while we do a lot of time, while we spend a lot more time complaining complaining and pouting, We need to find an opportunity to spend more time praying. Our church had an opportunity to visit a a church, a friend of mine, Pastor Lewis Hemphill, uh, who preached an awesome message that he simply said, What happens when prayer and praise collide? I was so mesmerized when he brought up this text bringing about the understanding when Paul and and Silas was locked in prison and and they they needed to be free. They were facing the opportunity of of being crucified, persecuted, to be put to death. And, And in the midst of what they were going through in the midnight hour, that's what he said in the midnight hour, they found the opportunity to pray and praise. And something happened when they began to pray. Something happened when they continued to praise. The Bible says the chains were broken. The walls came crumbling down. There's something about when prayer and praise collides, freedom happens to be produced. And I want to suggest today that we are we are seeking a healing that that is designed to free us from some circumstances and some situations that we've been afflicted by. Uh, some of us are struggling and we're hurting financially. Some of us are struggling and we're hurting relationally. Some of us are struggling and we're hurting mentally, and we are seeking healing, but the problem is that we're seeking it in all the wrong places. Bible says in 2nd Chronicles chapter 7, uh, when they went into the temple, God inhabited that place. I want to believe that it's because of the prayers of Solomon, because of the passion of Solomon, and because of the purpose of Solomon that God found himself in the place of Solomon. I want to suggest today that if we can have the same level of passion, if we can offer the same amount of prayer If we can fulfill the same level of purpose in our life, then we can inhabit God's presence. There's nothing better than having God's presence in the midst of your problem. So many of us are praying for the problem to be removed when we need to be praying for God's presence to be there in the midst of our problem. Because the truth of the matter is the problem only exists so that God can get the glory. Uh, We don't want the problem out of the way. We want to overcome the problem. Why? Because we want to testify to the goodness of what God has done. When I think of the goodness of God and all the things that he's done for me, my soul cries. Hallelujah. We want to be able to give God the praise because he's brought us from where we were yeah. to where he wants us to be. But today we're, we're dealing with this healing, we're dealing with this concept of healing and what we did last week, we kicked off the healing, understanding that there are certain things that you need to realize and one of the first things that we came to realize in the healing factor is that you can't heal if you don't know who you are. You have to know who you are. I want you to read a particular passage of text with me. When you look at 2 Chronicles chapter 7, one verse sticks out to me because God offers a response to his people. He offers a response to Solomon in 2 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. And this is the premise of where we stand on this series. And this is the word of the Lord for the people of the Lord. It says this simply, and my people who are called by my name, Humble themselves and pray. Seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven, will forgive their sins, and catch this, I will heal the land. What happens in this text is God gives a recipe for healing. God gives a recipe for healing. And some of you may not understand the value of a good recipe, Uh, There's value in a good recipe. See, some people think they can cook, and some people know they can cook. But the truth of the matter is that if you can't cook, but you get a good recipe, you can make it look like you can cook. And so that's where we are in the text. We need a good recipe because we don't have the answers to fix our own problems. And so what happens, God says, I'm going to give you an answer. Whenever you're going through something, whenever anything is not working out in your favor, whenever you feel like giving up, there's a simple recipe that I want you to utilize and share. He says, first, I need you to know who you are. If my people who are called by my name. I'm not going to spend too much time on that because last week we spent a lot of time on that and understanding who you are. The devil's main trick is to trick you about your own identity. He wants you to think that you're less than who you are that you're worthless, that you have no value, that nobody loves you, nobody cares about you, that God is not here for you and what God does, he says listen, I need you to always remember who you are if my people Who are called by my name. Healing begins with the realization of who you are. I don't care what your husband, your boyfriend, your mama, your daddy, your uncle, your granddaddy, your friends, your bullies. I don't care what they've called you. If they've called you less than a child of God, they are a liar. God clearly defines if my people who are called by my name, he takes ownership of them. I want you to understand, they are a flawed people and he still takes ownership of them. They're the same people who have complained, who have griped over and over, who have turned their back, but he still takes ownership of them. What are you saying, pastor? Just because you're jacked up, just because you've messed up, doesn't mean that God has disowned you. You're still his people who are called by his name. The step one to understanding how do I begin to heal, I must first realize who I am. I must first realize who I am. Today we're going to begin essentially a series within a series because after he tells us to identify who we are, then what he shows us is through your realization, there is a certain reaction that should be produced. I want to make sure that you understand this. When you realize who you are, it it, it requires you to react a certain way. Mm -hmm. Somebody doesn't understand that. I'm glad my dad's here today. Uh, There's something that you have to understand. As a kid growing up, I wasn't the best kid. Sometimes I tried to act a fool. Sometimes I tried to do whatever it was that I wanted to do. But there was a rule in my house. You might get away with some things in this house. But when you step outside of this house, you better understand that you're representing me. And so there are some times I may slip up inside of the house. I may get away with it a little bit, a little warning or something. But when I begin to act a fool on the outside of the house, It requires me to have a certain consequence. Why? Because I realize that I'm the son of James Earl Robinson. And that comes with a level of responsibility. I don't care what Michael's kids do. I don't care what Jimmy's kids do. I'm telling you what James' kids is going to do. Because of who you are, you have a responsibility to react a certain type of way. As believers, as Christians... As children of God who are called by his name, we have a requirement to react to life a certain type of way. The problem is that when issues come our way, we forget how we're supposed to act. When things come our way, we forget who we are and what is the, the job description, what is the requirement of how we're supposed to behave in the midst of life situations. Can I tell you something? If we remembered the protocol to how we're supposed to behave, things wouldn't be as complicated and confusing as they are. Things wouldn't seem so difficult. Things wouldn't seem so harsh If we could remember that we are children of God, and as a requirement of being a a child of God, you have a certain responsibility, a certain way that you're supposed to conduct yourself day in and day out. So this is what God says. He says, listen, if my people who are called by my name, and the reason why he's sharing this is because he says, listen, Simon, I heard your prayer. I understand y'all not perfect. I understand you're going to mess up. But this is what I need you to do when you mess up. I need you to realize. I need you to check yourself before you wreck yourself. I need you to realize that you're my people who are called by my name. And he gives us four simple steps. I want you to write these down. These are the four things, the four crucial things, and you'll find them on the screen, the four crucial things that we must have, the acceptable practice of a believer. first one that you have to understand is we have to be willing to humble ourselves. The second thing that you have to realize is that we have to be willing to commit to a life of prayer The third thing that we have to come to understand is that we have to be willing to seek God's face. The fourth and final principle is that we have to be willing to turn. Turn from your wicked ways. I want you to understand something. When you read this in the text, there's a conjunction in the text. I'm not an English major, but I am going back to school next semester. And so I want to make sure that you understand something. There's a word and that's connected between every phrase. The Bible says, if my people who are called by themselves will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Catch this. This is the problem with many of us. Some of us want to humble and pray, but we don't want to seek or turn. The problem is that you have the recipe. You have to have humble. You have to have prayer. You have to have seek. You have to have turn. I want you to understand something. You can't make a cake without putting eggs in it. It's not going to work out. Mm-hmm. And so essentially what's happening is God has given us a recipe for success. And we're saying, oh, I just want to take this part out. Huh. Huh. I don't want to turn from my wicked ways. God, I will, I will be humble. I will pray. And I will seek your faith. But I'm not going to give up my boo. Oh. I'm not going to give up my habits. I'm not going to give up my problems. <laughs> because I, I, I'm going to keep that part of me. And so it does me no good to teach you this if you don't understand what you're about to learn requires you to have all of it and not just some of it. You have to be willing to take all of it and not just some. I'm going to tell you right now. This is the disclosure for this message. If you do three out of the four, you will still fail. I'm telling you right now. It's not going to work. You don't get to come back and point your finger at me. You don't get to blame God. If you only do three out of the four, you will fail. It's not going to work out. He says, if my people who are called by myself will humble themselves and, and pray and seek my face and turn from the wicked ways, then this is what he says. Because you know who you are, because you do what I ask you to do, then I will heal the land. What do you mean that you will heal the land? I will fix every issue within your life. Whatever that you're hurting from, whatever that you're longing with, whatever it is that you're desiring, whatever it is that's a problem to you, I will fix it. I will not remove the problem. I will fix the problem. I will make life better for you. I will heal the land. Pastor, are you telling me that I don't just have to come to the altar, lift my hands up and fall out on the floor to receive healing? No, he said if you humble, pray, seek, turn, then I will Heal the land. What are you trying to do to me, Pastor? I'm trying to help you understand that the responsibility is on you for your life to change. Have you not noticed that over and over in the Bible that God has already made the first move? He's just waiting on you to make the next move. And I don't know if you ever heard this saying, but we need to get to the point where our next move is our best move. So many of us are failing to make the proper next move. We're setting ourselves up for failure because we're not putting our best foot forward. And so he says, listen, I've done my part. All I need you to do is humble yourself, seek my face, pray, and turn from your wicked ways. And if you do what I'm asking you to do, I will heal the land. I will change things in your life. I don't want to fast forward through this. Because what I've come to understand in studying this text is that some of us don't know what humility is. Some of us don't know how to pray. Some of us don't know what it means to seek his faith. And some of us struggle with turning. Matter of fact, all of us struggle with turning from our wicked ways. And so it would be very detrimental to the health of God's people and to this church if I just fast forward through this text and say, that's all you got to do. Now life will change. Mm-hmm. So what I want to do today is I want to find ourselves putting our vehicles, our spiritual vehicles in park because there's something that we need to understand. He gives us a principle, number one, and that is that we should be humble. Mm-hmm. And so today as we lift off and we go into this message, this series inside of a series dealing with healing, I want to simply title today's message, Healing Through Humility. Yeah. Healing Through humility. Humility is a lost art in today's work, in today's world. It's a lost art in today's world because social media has caused people not to be humble. Social media drives people to be boastful. Social media drives people to be envious. Instagram, I always want to show where you're at, what you're eating, who I'm with. Hashtag this. Hashtag that. It it, it, it does that. I mean, I was, I was convicted myself yesterday. I know everybody couldn't make it to the Cowboy game, but I wanted to show up. I'm in the stadium. Baby, it's going down. Look at me right by the field. That was not a humble moment in my spirit last night. I was very boastful. I don't have to watch it on TV. I'm watching a 50-yard screen, baby. It's There was no humility in my behavior. And the crazy thing is that many of us are walking through life and we don't know what it means to be humble because the the world has given us egos, has caused us to be prideful, has caused us to be jealous, envious. And so humility is something that we have lost. Many of us can't even define humility if we had to. We don't understand what it means to be humble. And so it, 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 it baffled me when God says, listen, humility is a requirement for healing. Humility is a requirement for healing. If you don't have humility, then it's impossible for you to be willing to be healed. And I had to think about this. What does this mean that I have to, I have to be humble? What does this mean that I have to, to put myself in a position that I'm, I'm submissive, I'm surrendering. What does this mean? Why is this important? And, I, and I, thought about, I thought about what happens to people who are in situations that need people, but they're not humble enough to admit they need people or willing to accept the help of somebody else. What happens to those people? I mean, I want you to think about it for an example. Somebody was, was injured. They was injured and they didn't even, they, they were trying to make it through life. They were struggling. They, they hurt themselves bad, whether it was mentally, physically, or spiritually. And they were walking around and attacking everybody else. And here it is, there's somebody that can really help you, but you want to act like you got it all together. Now, I got this. You can't tell me what to do. I know what to do. They are ultimately putting themselves in a position where they can perish, where they can fail, where they can die, spiritually, emotionally, physically, whatever. They can die because they're not willing to accept the help of somebody else, because they're not willing to humble themselves to a position that says, I need somebody else. And so I begin to understand, listen, I don't want to die. I don't want to die in the situation that I'm in. I don't want to die jacked up, not having things together. And so let me find a way to humble myself. God, can you teach me what does it mean to humble myself? And so there's three things that I want you to understand that I come to observe and and, and studying and and evaluating what humility is is and what humility does for the human being, for humanity. The first thing that I want you to write down and we'll talk about real quickly is reacting with humility clarifies your reality. I need you to catch that. Reacting with humility clarifies your reality. What does that mean, pastor? What are you trying to say to us? I want you to understand is when you come to God and you are humble, what you're doing is you're showing God what you think. Mm-hmm. You're showing God what you think, how you view life. What is the reality of what you're going through? Why is that so important? Because some of us go to God and we shake our finger at God, like, God, you owe me. God, you better provide. God, people that did me wrong all my life. You don't care about me. God, you better make it come through. That's how we come to God. And so when we're doing that, we're not coming to God in a humble manner, which means that our perspective on reality is all jacked up. Can I tell you something? When you come to God the wrong way, there's no possible way, outcome, that he should do anything for you. Why? Because why should I reward your foolishness? If I reward your foolishness, I want you to understand the message that God is essentially sending to you. If I reward your foolishness, what it's saying is your current behavior is okay. If I accept the fact that you're going to tell me what you need, if I accept the fact that you're going to tell me how life should be, if I accept these facts, then what I'm coming to say is that I believe That the truth is that I have to give you whatever you want, whenever you want it. Mm -hmm. When the reality is, that's not how God works. The reason why we have to be willing to humble ourselves in the presence of God is because when we react through humility, it clarifies our reality. When you're able to get to a position of humbling, when you're able to get to a position where You have willingly submitted, surrendered to God. What you have ultimately says is that I know that I'm not in control. I know that what I thought was right is not right. And so what I have to do is I have to submit to your will. Growing up, I was a a hill in my neighborhood. I probably told this story before. The hill in my neighborhood doesn't seem so big now when I go back over there, but it used to be huge. It, I mean, it must have shrunk over the years. And what we would do, we would ride up the hill. Y'all know how y'all used to stand on the bikes and ride up the hill. We would ride up the hill all to get up the hill and race back down the hill. We wanted to race back down the hill. Now, this is a new subdivision. You know, they, they, they made these subdivisions small back then. They put You couldn't park two streets and still barely drive a, street down the, or drive a car down the middle of the street. It was very tight. And my mom and dad used to always warn me, don't ride that bike down that hill because one day somebody's going to open their door and something's going to happen to you. And I wasn't humble enough. I wasn't humble enough to listen to what they say. I was hard headed. See, when you're not humble, you're hard headed. And so I get up the hill with my friends. And this day I decide I'm going to lead, everybody's going to follow me. And I, 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 just sanded my, I just sanded my bike down. I had a Huffy. I didn't have a BMX like everybody else. So I sanded all the paint off my bike to make it chrome. And, and so I wanted it to look like one of them Diamondback BMXs. And so I'm here, and I'm getting ready to go down the hill. And I take off down the hill. And the minute I get down the hill, I don't know what happened. But obviously, somebody opened their door. All I remember is hitting the concrete and waking up in the arms of somebody at my front door. I don't remember getting from point A to point B, but what I do remember, in the midst of my pain, face skinned all up. Yeah, God is a healer. He fixed this thing, made me look better than ever. But he, so so so, face all skinned up, body all bruised up. But what he does, he in the midst of my pain. As the man carries me through my front door, I don't remember if it was my mom or dad who opened the door, but in the midst of my pain, I'm hurting, asphalt is in my face, and in the midst of what I was going through, the man carried me through my front door, and here it is, I'm in the arms of somebody at my front door, and all I can do is look up. Again, I don't know if it's my mom or dad, but all I remember is saying, I'm not going to do it anymore. (laughs) That's all I remember. That's all I remember is saying, I'm not going to do it anymore. Pastor, what are you trying to tell us? In the midst of my problem, in the midst of my pain, is where I found humility. In the midst of what I was going through is where I found humility. I want to suggest today that what you're going through may be so that you can reach a point of where you can finally be humble. When I was healthy and I had all my limbs, face wasn't scratched up, I was hanging out with my friends, I wasn't humble enough. This is the problem with many of us. We think we got it all together. We don't need God. And so as a result of us feeling like we don't need God, we're not humble. This is why we're always in and out of relationships with God. You know, sometimes we, uh, we treat God like some women treat uh, a, a, good, a good man that they really don't want to be with, but when they like bill need to be paid, they go and be with anyway. I mean, I'm just saying. And, and some men do the same thing. We, 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 we in and out of that relationship. We don't call them until we need them. And so sometimes that's the reason we turn on and off our humility is because we only call God when we need him. Can you imagine what it would be like to always be in a relationship with God and be humble and never have to struggle and worry about needing him because he's always ready and willing to provide the needs that you have? Because you're humble, you're ready, you're willing, you're waiting on him. Why do you want to turn this relationship on and off? Why do you want to mess with this good man and just play with his emotions? God has said, I'm here for you. I want to be in a relationship with you. I want to honor you. I want to give you everything that you could possibly ever need, but every time I give you something, all you do is break it again. I set you up for success, and you would rather slum with the rest of them. Why do you keep going back and forth in this relationship? Why do we have to keep going back and forth in this struggle? And so listen, this is why he says, I need you to humble yourself. Quit thinking that I need you and realize that you need me. Get to a position of humbling. And this is why I say, when we react to humility, we clarify our reality. Have you never understood that when, you, when life is going rough for you and you have a lot of problems and you begin to cry to God and things happen and things change? You know why? Because you've humbled yourself and you realize you need them. Imagine if you did that every day of your life. Yes. Yes. Imagine if that was every day of your life. Lord, I need you. So what? I got a tank full of gas. God, I still need you. So what? All my bills paid. God, I still need you. So what? My kids went to college. God, I still need you. No matter where I am in my life, forget the fact that I got a good marriage. God, I still need you. It's the minute that we think that we don't need God, it's the minute that life begins to crumble. We put ourselves back in a situation where we got to fight harder just to get where God wants us to be already. So in humility, we realize that when we act in humility, because we realize who we are as children of God, we're called by his name. And if we act accordingly, we, if we react accordingly, what we understand is that it clarifies our reality. It shows God what we think about where we are. The second thing I want you to understand what humility does is reacting with humility expresses your reverence for God. Reacting through humility expresses your reverence for God. Some of us say, Pastor, what is reverence? Why do we have to talk about this word reverence? Let's just replace it. If you don't understand reverence, put in respect. When you act, when you react with humility, you're expressing the level of respect that you have for God. Whenever people visit a king and they go into the king's throne room or the king enters their presence, you always see something unique happen. They begin to bow. They begin to bow. It's not because the king is not human. It's not because the king has superpowers. It's because of the simple fact that the king holds a position of authority. And because the king holds a position of authority, they humble themselves before the king. When we can get to the point of understanding that forget that God has superpowers, forget that he can do amazing things, forget that he can call the heavens and earth together, he can move the waters, forget all of that. I mean, that's cool. We know that. He's God. But can we ever get to the point where we just simply are humble because of his position of authority? Can we just be humble because he is our father? Because he is God? Can I tell you something? I've, I've never, I, I, I try to always have a clean mouth. I, I, I might stub my toe every once in a while, but I, I try to always stay straight. A pastor's not perfect. past pastor's not perfect. But there's one thing I've never done is ever slipped in front of my parents. I've never slipped in front of my parents. I've never... I, I've done a lot of jacked up things wrong, but I, it's, I will never do them before my parents. Why? Because I have a level of respect for their position in my life. It requires me to react a certain way because not only do I know who I am, I know who they are. And so it puts me in a position where I reverence them. I reverence them. And my dad might not even trip, he might not even worry about it, but I love you and I reverence you enough that I will not disrespect you. Can I help you understand something? The reason why God requires humility Is because he needs to know that through your reverence, you respect me and you love me enough that you will honor me. That's what God desires. He doesn't desire for you to be in a relationship with him, Rich, just because of what he can give you. That's called using. God is not your sugar daddy. It don't work like that. Can I I help somebody today? I'm I'm simply trying to bring it to light. I'm, I'm trying to bring it to reality. He wants to be loved, honored, cherished, and appreciated simply for who he is. Has he not done enough for humanity? Look at what he's done over the course of time. He created man. If that wasn't enough, he gave them dominion over the earth. If that wasn't enough, when they fell short, he still walked with them. If that wasn't enough, when the earth went wrong and he went wrong, he still provided a way for them. Over and over, he has been God. Can we not just say thank you for just being God? Thank you for honoring me. Thank you for appreciating me. And so because of that, God, that I want to, I humbly approach you because I respect your position. And in respecting your position, I also want to make sure that that you understand I love you just because of who you are. Mm -hmm. Not because I'm expecting anything else from you. Old saints used to say, if the Lord doesn't do anything else for me, he's done enough. Can we ever get to that point where we We are just humble enough that we appreciate what he's done. Mm -hmm. Can I tell you something? Every morning I wake up, man, I don't even, the first thing I do now is not check my Facebook. I wake up every morning and I just say thank you. I say thank you because somebody died in their sleep last night. Somebody didn't make it home after the game last night. Somebody's life ended at midnight. But God seemed fit to still allow me to wake up. So, Lord, sometimes I just got to wake up and say, thank you. I honor you simply because of who you are. Forget the fact that I don't look like maybe what I want to look like. I don't feel like what I want to feel like. I don't have as much money as I want to have. I honor you for who you are. I tell you something when you have a life of humility this ain't even part of the text but when you operate in humility you can find happiness you can find happiness it's a reason why people who are homeless i've known a lot of people who are homeless that are not stressed and burdened yeah they're living a very humble a meek life and they're happy my wife is trying to get me on this simplest thing or whatever they call it or minimalism. She's just going around the house and she thinks she's slick, packing up everything and selling stuff, throwing stuff in the trash. She's like, we don't need all of this. All this is a distraction from what we're supposed to be. She's saying, we're going to minimize our lifestyle. We're going to humble ourselves by force or by choice. You choose. And of course, as a good husband, I just simply say, do what you want to do. Why do we need five TVs in the house? You can only watch one at a time. That's right, you can't even monitor what your kid is watching in the room while you're watching it in the living room. was a time where they only had one TV in the house. And everybody sat around that one TV and watched one thing together. You don't have to worry about your kids watching something that was unacceptable. Why? Because right. you was watching it with them. That's right. yeah. But we watching phones, we watching computers, we watching TVs. My message ain't even about that. That's a whole nother message. Right there. Whole nother message. We need to heal the family. We need to heal the family. Because families are broken. And it's not broken from the outside in. It's broken from the inside out. It's broken because we don't give it the attention that it needs. Children are hungry for love. They're hungry for God. Because of the fact that we are not being the examples that God called us to be. Because we've gotten so busy. That was a time where, where my father and my mother desired for me to go to college, for me to live a better life. My dad used to say that all the time. My dad is a hard worker. I, I, I talk about my dad, and man, he's my role model. I love him. Yeah. I talk about my dad a lot. And wh- my dad would work several jobs. He would work several jobs. He would fix his own cars. He would do all of this stuff. And all the time, his push was man, I want you to go to school. I want you to do something with yourself. I want you to get out of here. I want you to be better. The truth of the matter is, his desire to want me to do better was not so that I could have all of these lavish things. was not so that I could cut myself off from the world and be ignorant about the value of life. His desire was so that I could live a better life than what he was living. That I could do better than what he was doing. Now what I'm scared of is that we have perverted that desire. Is Now that we want our kids to do better just so that we can have better. So that we can, we can have a bigger house, a bigger car. And not once did he mention about having a bigger house. Mm-hmm. He just didn't want me to struggle. Right. He was humble enough to say, listen, I'm going to do whatever I need to do to make sure that you reach a point of success. Mm-hmm. Back to the text. This is what it teaches us. Reacting through humility clarifies our reality. Reacting through humility expresses our reverence. Catch this last point, and I'll let you go. Reacting with humility confirms your receptiveness. I want you to understand that. When we react through humility, it confirms our receptiveness. Pastor, what does that mean? Okay, understand this. When we react through humility, it clarifies our reality. It shows us what the world is. It expresses how we see things. When we act act through humility, it expresses our reverence. It helps God understand. It 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 helps him realize and clarify how we feel about him. Now, catch this. Reacting through humility confirms your receptiveness. Why is this so important? Because when you are truly humble, what you are is a vessel waiting for input. When you're in a position of humility, you're a vessel waiting for input. Because you've already clarified that I don't have control of the world. Because my reality has changed because I'm, I've humbled myself. You've already clarified that I, 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 I reverence who God is because of his position. So he's in a position of authority, not me. We've already clarified those things. Now what we're seeing is that our humility, it puts us in a position that we can receive the information that God is ready to download into us. Can I tell you something? Have you ever tried to talk to somebody who's not humble? It's like talking to a brick wall. Before you can even finish a sentence, they saying something. Yeah. They think they got the answer to every situation. You can't tell them nothing. You can't show them nothing. They don't care if they fail. They would make it up a lie to say, oh, well, this was the way that I used to do it, but this is the new way. Oh, something was broke with this. It's not broke oh, with me. Not bro-. When you're dealing with people who are not humble, you're not getting anywhere. Can I help you realize today that the reason that the third principle that I share with you, why God expresses why we have to have a a heart filled with humility, is because of the fact that he can't do nothing with people that think they know everything. He can't do nothing with you. God can't give nobody relationship advice who think that they're the best person for a relationship and anybody they get with them, is a blessing just to be with me and you need to know who I am. I'm sorry, I stepped out of character. I'm just trying to make sure that you understand. He can't do nothing with that. Can you humble yourself? Step out the mirror, get off of Instagram and just put your face in the book and let him show you, let him show you What does it really require to be productive in a relationship? What does it require? When we lack humility, what we're essentially saying is, God, I don't need your help. I don't need your help. I don't want your help. Keep your distance from me. And so because of that, when we are not reacting with humility, we are not receptive to the information that God is trying to provide. That God is trying to provide. This is why I laugh at people who come to me, Pastor, this is my problem. This is what I'm going through. I say, hey, well, number one, let's pray about it. We'll pray about it. The, okay, number two, this is what I feel like is God leading me to share with you on how to deal with these problems, how to overcome these obstacles. And then the minute that you show them that, they're like, um, no, nah, that ain't the answer I wanted. That don't fit my lifestyle. Y'all, y'all know my favorite individual in the Bible. Y'all talk about him a lot, the rich young ruler. The rich young ruler, the the issue with the rich young ruler in the Bible is not that he didn't have enough, but when God says, listen, I need you to humble yourself, give up everything that you have and come and follow me, sell it, give it, give the profits to the poor and come and follow me. He was not humble enough. He like, no, God, that don't fit my lifestyle. That might've been what you told Timothy now, but (laughs) you can't tell me that. Uh We think we're better than that. And so as a result, when we lack humility, what essentially uh, we are doing, we're putting in ourselves in a position where we are not being receptive to receive the information that God is trying to download to us. Yeah, yeah. I don't have cable in my house. My wife is a minim- minimalist now, and so she, she minimalizes all of it. I don't, I don't get to watch the games on ESPN when they play on <laughs> ESPN because she's she minimizing my life. Uh, and so I, I'm walking around. I'm walking around with, I have a TV with an antenna on the wall. Y'all know how it used to be back in the day. An antenna with a TV on the wall, so I only get local channels. So don't ask me if I watch the show if it ain't on local channels. This is what I'm going through in my life right now. Now, there's a problem in my house, and this goes with the text. I want you to understand this. In my house, there's one individual that uh, affects the antenna in my house, and that's my wife. She has too much electricity flowing through her body. And so in the midst of me watching something, she will have the audacity to want to fold up clothes, put them in the drawer, and stand right by the TV. And y'all know what happens when the antenna, the receptive is, is affected, then everything just freezes. I'm looking at the TV. Ain't nothing happening. You already kept me. I can't even watch cable no more. But now you're interfering with my reception. And so what I have to do now is I close the door. Stay out of this room. Don't come in here because you're interfering with my reception. I'm here trying to receive something, and you're interfering with my reception. Catch this. I want to help you. All of us have things that interfere with our reception. All of us have things that interfere with our reception. And the problem is that we won't kick those things out of our way. We won't kick those things out of our way. And so what we are ended up doing, catch this, because when she interferes with my reception, what happens is everything freezes. And then I wanna, I wanna help you understand something because what it eventually says now is it says no signal. <laughs> That's what it does, yeah. no signal. And you know what happens in the, when it says no signal? I ain't moving, she ain't moving. Nobody is progressing. No information is being downloaded. <laughs> We don't understand anything. Can I help you realize that some of us, the reason why we're at a standstill in our life is because we have no signal. Something has interfered with your reception and as a result of it interfering with your reception, you're at a standstill there at a standstill and it's not that God doesn't want to download any information. The information is being downloaded but the problem is that you've allowed something to interfere with your reception. You allow some man, some woman, some job, some finances, you've allowed something to interfere with your reception. And as a result of it, you are the reason you're not progressing. You are the reason that your life is broken. You are the reason that you're struggling. It's not God. It's not even the devil. It's you. It's you allowing something to interfere with God giving you the information that he wants to provide. You've allowed something to interfere. And so what you have to do is, you have to get yourself in a position of authority that says, listen, get behind me. Remove yourself from here. Because that's what happens. Until I communicate with my wife that you're the problem. Every time you walk in this room, my TV is messing up. I need you to move. Until I communicate that she just keeps doing what she's doing. It just keeps happening. And then it gets to the point where she finds it funny. (laughs) (laughs) And so what has to happen, I have to show that I'm serious. I'm going to close and lock the door. You can't come in here anymore. It's time in our lives for us to close and lock the door on some things. It's a new year. You ain't got to carry that stuff in to the new year. Close and lock the door on that thing. Whatever it is that's interfering with your relationship, your reception, close the left to do on that thing. Don't allow it to dwell in the same place that God is dwelling. Because what we understand through the text is light and darkness has no fellowship. I'm not going to fight with an addiction anymore. Addiction, you get out of here. I'm not going to fight with infidelity anymore. And Infidelity, you get out of here. I'm not taking those calls late at night. You get out of here. This year will be the best year of my life, but not because I'm going to wait for something to happen, but I'm going to make something happen. I'm going to make something happen because I realize that the power is in my control. Christ said it to his disciples. All power that is within me, I've given to you. He's released that power to you. The question is, what are you going to deal with it? We have to begin the healing process through not only knowing who we are, but being humble enough to react to life the way that God is asking us to. And so how do we react? We react through humility because it clarifies our reality. We know that the world is an illusion that the devil tries to use against us. But God has the true, the true reality, the true perception of what this life should be like. We know that when we act through humility, we expect our reverence with God. And so we want to get to a position where we respect and we love God with every ounce of our being. And we know through acting through through humility, it puts us in a position that we are more receptive to whatever God has to share with us. Can we stop fighting against the will of God this year? Can we begin to honor God in everything that he does? And I believe that if we do this, then we can begin to heal. We can begin the healing process because healing begins with humility. Amen. Just give God a hand clap of praise. Yeah. Amen. He's an awesome God. Amen. Amen. What an amazing word from God. Listen, we thank you for taking the opportunity to listen to this message. And it's because of that that we want to extend two invitations to you. Our first invitation is if you're ever in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, for you to actually stop in and worship with us at Believer City Church. We would greatly appreciate the opportunity to get to know you better. The second thing that we would invite you to do is if you want to partner with us in ministry, this message has been able to impact your life in any way, form, or fashion. You're able to partner with us simply by going to our website at BelieverCity.org and clicking on the Give tab, and just donating whatever God allows your heart to do so. Uh, You can also download our app by going to Google Play or the App Store and download Believer City Church. And there's ways that you can connect with us there, pray with us, give, and so many things that you can do to stay connected to the Believer City community. We thank you again for listening to this message, and we look forward to worshiping with you in the future. God bless you.